It is Thursday, December 8th, 2022. Um, on our prayer list, uh, we have uh, Ethan Atwell, a young man that uh, uh, he's, he stopped growing. He's 11 and he needs to, uh, his body needs to to start growing some more. Yeah, they're, they've been running some tests to find out what that is. A young lady named Bella, her struggle against addiction. Um, Reverend Davis uh, and his family and for healing for him. Uh, for Marta and Charles and Sebron. Marcos, salvation for his son, who's also named Marcos. John and Ruby and Vassie and Linda, they're friends of the podcast and Bible study. Charlotte, blessings and peace on the loss of her husband, Gary. Truth to prevail in this country. And people of China, let them be strong. Our military, the people of America, that revival would come. Bob's children, Stephanie and Mike's for salvation, other family members of his for salvation. Pray for the folks in Europe. They're going to have a bad winter, unable to heat their homes if things don't change. I pray for economic recovery, unless it's just God's will that we not. Frank and Dorothy Wingo. Eric, Rex, Ted, America, Christians worldwide. Ray and Judy, and Ray has a praise report that Judy had a great day the other day, and they had a nice visit. Salvation for all that God would bring in the final harvest. Protection for us as we live in what seem to be the last days. Those politicians, that God would either save them if they're willing or set them out to pasture. Those who need a healing, any anybody. George Weiser and senior and junior and um, Joe and um, the uh, salvation for them. <laughs> Phil Tobelman needs healing. And um, Web Levins uh, looking for a negative test, right? Yeah. And um, Hal Absher Jr. getting the test and um, medical test. Pray for negative results on those. And Reverend Davis is added here again. Let's join hands. He, I missed a call from him, so he's still, he's still with us. An ocean away, and let's add Osman Lord even now to this list. And I just pray you be with us tonight. We thank you, God, for your blessing of of salvation. We thank you for creating all things and placing us into this amazing world that you uh, have told us that we haven't any idea what's to come eye hasn't seen ear hasn't heard what you have for us we have loved ones that are already there and we look forward to that day when we see first of all you the author and finisher of our salvation perfect love like no other and then we see our loved ones Teach us tonight, God, from your word. Be with us. Give us wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Okay, hopefully I won't kill this recording just by switching over to another um, um, function. Here's my email. Uh, look in Ezekiel chapter 17. Ezekiel 17. Verse 22. And really listen carefully here. Ezekiel 17, verse 22. Thus saith the Lord God, I will also take of the highest branch of the high cedar and will set it. I will crop off from the top of his young twigs a tender one and will plant it upon a high mountain and eminent. In the mountain of the height of Israel will I plant it. And it shall bring forth boughs and bear fruit and be a goodly cedar. And under it shall dwell all fowl of every wing in the shadow of the branches thereof shall they dwell. And all the trees of the field shall know that I the Lord have brought down the high tree and have exalted the low tree, have dried up the green tree, and have made the dry tree to flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it. And I read that because you got a lot of people out there teaching that the Christmas tree is a pagan thing. Now it's not. We'll prove that, I believe, hopefully to your satisfaction. Um, if there's something wrong with an evergreen tree <clears throat> being used to symbolize Christ, then you need to take that up with the God who made you. Because that's what he wrote. And there is also, uh, let's look in, um, I believe, it's one of the minor prophets, probably Habakkuk. tailspin trying to find that in this Bible. My, my glasses aren't good enough to see this print. I'll just try to use my NIV here. I like that Thompson chain reference, but I can't see the print in it anymore. This is what happens when you don't make notes. <laughs> Hosea, oh, I at least had the H part right. Go to chapter 14 of Hosea. Near the end. Looks like verse 8. O Ephraim, what more have I to do with idols? I will answer him and care for him. This is NIV. 
I am like a green pine tree. Your King James may have something different. What do you have? What, what chapter is that? 14, Hosea. Verse 8? Yeah. King James refers to fir tree. Fir tree. I am like a green pine tree or a fir tree. Your fruitfulness comes from me. So here God compares himself to a green fir tree or a pine tree. And your sister Hannah is the one that found that and sent that to me. Just to help us understand that there's nothing pagan about a Christmas tree. Well, what so many people get wrapped around the axle of is out of all the pagan cults and, and garbage out there and you know the celebrations that they do and the symbols they use, there are going to be things that... Um, We're finished with that are, that are similar, you know, uh, that they come up with. So, I mean, they, they can't... Just say guilt by association well, because uh, uh, there's too many. Too there's many that, there. plus there's the fact that Satan is a counterfeiter. He yes. copies everything. So, um, <clears throat> and another thing, Satan is a killjoy. And he likes to, he, 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 I'll tell you what he doesn't like. He doesn't like Christmas celebration. He doesn't like seeing Christians celebrating the birth of Christ. So he sets about undermining what we are doing, calling into question what we are doing, making us feel foolish. For instance, uh, Christmas trees pagan. Now I'll go to Jeremiah chapter ten, and this is one of the places they like to go to try to, and they totally blow the uh, context and, and, and translation of this. They chapter ten. Chapter ten of Jeremiah. Now I'll go there. Uh, looks like verse 3. It says, For the customs of the peoples are worthless. They cut a tree out of the forest, and a craftsman shapes it with his chisel. Now what does that say in the King James? A craftsman shapes it with his chisel. The KJV says what? With his axe. Uh, yeah. The workman with the axe. So he shapes it. I don't know how you shape a tree with an axe. They... That's what it would have been. They adorn it with silver and gold. They fasten it with hammer and nails so it will not totter and fall over. Like a scarecrow in a melon patch, their idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. Do not fear them. They can do no harm, nor can they do any good. And idols, even today, are still being made. Big, tall, totem pole, like say, right, looking idols. And they, they put silver, they adorn it with silver, and they shape it. They shape it either, you know, with the axe or, or with a chisel. They put faces on it and designs on it, and they put the silver on it. Uh, <laughs> they had one built over there in India. That thing must have been 40 foot tall, I don't know. Maybe not quite, but it was up there. And they were moving it from one place to another on a trailer, and all these people were walking along beside it, and like this, bowing down to whatever one of the myriad of gods these folks have been deceived to believe in. And it was just a 
big uh, celebration until it passed under a power wire <laughs> and it ripped loose the moorings and the thing just fell flat on the ground. So like this, so they can't walk, they have to be born about. But these are, these are idols, that's not a Christmas tree. You know, when anybody pulls that out, just show them those passages in Ezekiel 17 and in Hosea 14. And you, you can show them that um, there's nothing wrong with that tree. You know, even if they could prove it, they cannot, they can't prove it, but even if they could prove that, the, that there was this evergreen tree worship going on in pagan circles, that doesn't matter. Satan's a big counterfeiter, right? Uh, we've got Bible that vindicates the symbolism of the evergreen tree with the Lord himself. That's pretty irrefutable, right? Shouldn't be any doubt about that. Okay. Yeah, we're still recording. I didn't mess up the recording. That's great. Um, I um, wrote a blog post years ago, and it was about the December 25th birthday of Christ. And um, and we cover this a lot. Um, well, I won't say a lot, but we try to do it every December because you do have uh, these folks that come out and say, well, Jesus wasn't born in December. And I say, why does it matter anyway? Why does it matter anyway when Jesus is born? Well, one reason it matters is, is we're being kind of doltish if we're celebrating a particular day and he was really born in June, as some like to say, or September, as some like to say. Um, I'm just going to read through a few paragraphs here. Um, I don't think I can say it any better now than I said it then. This is from 2011. And Jesus likely was born on December 25th. Looks like I had a little bit of snark to me here. We're seeing more and more of the self-appointed mall cops of Christianity blowing their gumball machine found whistles and disputing the notion that Jesus was born on December 25th. What are some of the things they say? Well, they'll tell you that shepherds would not have been in the field near Bethlehem tending their sheep when Christ was born. Too cold in the winter, they say. I bought into this for some time, but a quick visit to the Weather Channel, www.weatherchannel.com, will show you that overnight lows average in the mid-40s Fahrenheit in Bethlehem in late December. Go to the Weather Channel website and type in Bethlehem West Bank and see for yourself. So that argument goes into the can. Next, you'll often hear that Christmas was actually a pagan feast, Saturnalia by name, and that the Catholic Church decided to celebrate the birth of Jesus this time of year to hopefully keep new Christians from re-engaging the pagan festivities. Saturnalia was celebrated on the 17th of December, however, not the 25th. And even when Saturnalia got so popular that they extended the drunken orgies for a week, it was still over by the 24th. What reportedly did occur on December 25th on 165 BC, according to Charles Ryrie's research, and it's in this study Bible I have here from what that's worth, what did occur was the temple was cleansed by the Maccabees and the menorah burned for eight days on a small amount of oil, reportedly enough to burn the lights for only one day. 
a miracle of God according to the Jewish people. And I believe they are right. It was a miracle. Note, as will be mentioned later, it can be a bit cantankerous to transfer the 365-day calendar date to the Jewish calendar date, but Ryrie's notes are still worth considering. So here we have the Jewish festival, Hanukkah, instituted by a miracle, which some scholars say happened on December 25th. What is mildly amusing is the fact that many Judaizers, those who like to force law-keeping onto Christians as a requirement of their salvation, like to mock Christians as pagan for being held on Saturnalia's date. They like to mock Christmas as pagan for being held on Saturnalia's Even date. it's not. Right, it's not. But they keep the Hanukkah celebration faithfully perhaps not realizing Hanukkah's December 25th connection. Jesus attended the Feast of Dedication, or the Festival of Lights, as it's often called, in John chapter 10. This was Hanukkah, there is little dispute. So, if we understand that Hanukkah is the Festival of the Lights, and that Jesus is the light of the world, what more appropriate time for him to come into his creation than during the festival of lights. Jesus went about fulfilling prophecy. He fulfilled Passover, first fruits, and by the institution of the church, he fulfilled Pentecost on the occasion of his first coming. Perhaps his attendance of the Feast of Dedication, the festival of lights, Hanukkah, in John chapter 10, was a subtle fulfillment of the Jews' feast of Hanukkah, the true light walked right into their feast of lights, but most did not notice, as they did not know the time of their visitation, Luke 19. Some try to use the priestly courses laid out in 1 Chronicles 24 to reckon the birth of John the Baptist, son of Zechariah, whose priestly course of Abijah had just ended shortly before John the Baptist's conception. Since Jesus was born six months after John the Baptist, they work out a date of Christ's birth based on John's. This is very problematic manner. This is a very problem, problematic manner in which to estimate the timing of um, John the Baptist's birth for several reasons. Foremost among them is that these courses occurred twice each year, and the Jewish calendar was a 360-day calendar rather than the Gregorian 365-day calendar we use today. We do not know which of his two courses Zechariah had just returned from, nor do we know how soon after his course was finished that John the Baptist was conceived, nor can we be sure how to juxtapose the Jewish calendar to the Gregorian calendar to arrive at a Gregorian date. We don't even know exactly how long each mother carried her child. So it's really a mess to even attempt such a vain effort. As an aside, history does show us which priestly course was in session when the temple was destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD. By counting backward to a suspected birth year of 4 BC, I believe it was, they affirm a late December birth of Christ. Even though one may agree on the late December date, as I do, we still should not put too much stock in calculations based on the priestly courses. 
One other point to note is the census by Caesar Augustus. It's generally reported that the Roman government would call for the census after the harvest season. And of course, much like our tax season, people had a few weeks to comply. It would not be unreasonable at all to find many citizens in Bethlehem in late December there to be taxed for the census. So the harvest season went in in early to mid-October, right? But the most compelling evidence for the December 25th birth date of Christ is the source of the early church fathers. Hippolytus, John Chrysostom, and Cyril of Jerusalem all affirmed the 25th of December as Christ's birth date. Cyril of Jerusalem actually wrote to the Roman government asking that the record of Jesus' birth be checked, and that date confirmed. Cyril reported that Rome sent back the December 25th date. Interestingly, there are no known writings from any credible early church fathers that suggest any other date than December 25th. That date was not questioned by anyone. Probably not until 17, 1800s. That's when a lot of the... Um, heresy started that's coming. When a lot of, I'm not, and I'm not calling that a heresy, I mean, but I'm just saying that's when a lot of that stuff started getting going. Yeah. So let's think about it this way. If I were to write a paper of some sort... And within the context of that paper, I mentioned that the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor on August the 5th. I wouldn't get far with my proliferation of that document until I had been soundly corrected by a chorus of people, both scholar and lay, pointing out that December 7th was the Pearl Harbor attack date, not August 5th. So it should follow that with at least three early church fathers setting forth the December 25th birthday to Christ and their writings, were that not factual, we would see some derision or dissent coming from someone. In truth, were that not the actual date, December 25th, and if that date were in question at all, these early writings would have fallen from favor as unreliable, being replaced with more credible sources. But that did not happen because no one apparently questioned the late December birth date of Christ. Not until very recent years did we even begin to see the December 25th date come into question. And oddly, this was not because some new smoking gun style document was uncovered. The naysayers regarding the late December date based on the notion of supposition such as too cold for shepherds to be in the field in December or the priestly course calculations, both points that I've been setting, both points have been sitting there unappealed for nearly 2,000 years. Is it just that after all this time we're finally, quote, smart enough to question what the church has not questioned for two millennia? I think not. I think it's more sinister than that. Unfortunately, it all goes toward making Christians look foolish that we could be duped into believing a lie. What you have in Christianity today is a body of so-called believers, about three-quarters of whom are not yet saved, attending and working in our churches, teaching in seminars, publishing documents, calling everything sacred into question. We must be careful not to be led astray by those who masquerade as teachers, but whose true commodity is doubt. Satan deceived Eve by introducing doubt. Did God really say? Granted, the actual birthday of Jesus is not recorded in the Bible, and we are not even told to celebrate it any more than the Jews were commanded to celebrate Hanukkah. 
But what we do with sincerity unto the Lord is honored by Him. See Romans 14. One last point. There are some, there's some work that you'll find on the internet using astronomical computation software to go back to 4 BC to show a convergence of several heavenly bodies that would, quote, explain the star of Bethlehem. This software pins down a September birth date for Jesus. I don't buy the notion for several reasons, but the foremost of which is that the Bible said it was a star, singular, not stars. I'm a biblical literalist, and I believe it was one star of a very special and singular design. Let us be ever careful of deception, no matter how inconsequential it may seem on its face. Where subtle and seemingly harmless error creeps in, there is generally more not-so-harmless deception to follow. The other thing about the star is it moved. It came down and they followed it. And it moved along. You know, you don't have a convergence of planets out there and you're, you're going along following a star. You know, and then it stopped. It hovered over the place where Christ was born. That convergence of planets wouldn't have done that. This is egg-headed secularism trying to creep in and destroy what we have believed as a true body of believers for centuries, millennia now. Uh, you do run into it, though. And I don't know what to tell them. You know, I, I can direct them to that blog post that I wrote years ago that I just read here. Hopefully didn't put everybody to sleep. But, um, I mean, people decide what they want to believe and if they tell one person thus and such like Jesus was really born in, in September because I saw it on the internet um, if they tell one person that they won't back away they believe the internet more than they will the Bible there's that problem uh, secular Christianity is far more dangerous than atheism it's far more dangerous than even false religions secular Christianity just undermines the foundation of true Christianity, or at least it tries to. Oh, we're idiots for not, you know, for putting a Christmas tree in our house. We're idiots for, you know, saying Jesus was born December 25th. Um, no, we're not. Oh, you're following the teachings of the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church did teach a lot of stuff that is in this Bible. And we can't throw that out. Just because it was tied to the Catholic Church. Right. You know, so they, you know, God used that Roman Catholic Church. Um, Especially the early days before yeah. it got totally, totally belled up. Right, where it's at now. I thought that was a, a lampoon or a meme or something, the Pope and that collar. <laughs> and he, he's at some function and he's got this collar on. Yeah. It's just big around. It goes around his shoulders and it comes up like this. Looked like a lampshade or something. He looked like one of those Elizabethan collars they put on your dog to keep from licking himself after he's neutered. That's what it looked like. You know, and that was supposedly serious. All reverent and stuff. Um, we, um, we need to hold firm to what we believe. 
you know, stand firm. Go to First um, Corinthians. I'm sorry. I'm gonna go to Ephesians first. Go to Ephesians six. Six. Yeah. And we all know this. Starting in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In the circle stand right there. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in in the evil day, and having done all to stand. He's really talking about standing, standing firm. Don't relinquish your position. Stand therefore, verse 14, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, the Bible. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me. That utterance may be given unto me. That I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul asked for prayer in more than one place. Our... uh, Church leaders, the real ones, our spiritual leaders, and they need prayer. Um, and it could be for any number of things. Against demonic attack. It could be, you know, against um, just throwing her hands up and saying, what good am I doing? I'm going to quit. No. They have to continue. And... God wants all of us to continue to occupy until he comes. And if you're on a job, and you're getting the job done, and things are working, and some little newcomer comes up and says, what are you doing with that hammer? That ain't how you drive nails. Where'd you get that? Don't you know that's, that's going to ruin your elbow? That thing, been scientifically proven to ruin your elbow, I want you to look at what I got here and sell you something else when what you had was functional, working, and proper. See, if they could take Christmas away, if they could take away our celebration of the birth of Christ, and he came into the world really at the darkest hour of the seasons, if you think about that. I mean, it is that way here. We, we see, the, you know, the longest nights, you know. Um, he came in during the Hanukkah, the Festival of Lights. 
as, as the light of the world he came in during the festival of lights. Everything lines up for this time of year that he would be born. But if they can make you doubt that, then they can begin to make you doubt other things. One of the biggest attacks that they do is um, they attack the inerrancy of the Bible. They say, oh, this has been tinkered over by men through the ages. You can't trust everything that's in it. Um, As if God isn't overseeing the keeping of his word. Yes, he would. I have asked one of them one time. I said, I don't know what God you serve, but he's, you know, you spell him with a little G, not a capital G, because, you know, all this error that you think you have in the Bible, how can you believe any of it? I had that fellow I talked about multiple times. I was just shocked to hear him do a Bible study on showing you where the mistakes were. And my question to him was, he was comparing the Gospels and thinking, quite errantly, but thinking that, he found irreconcilable differences here and there. And he said, "Under the, you know, that's all we need. They're not the same. They are perfectly harmonizable, and they have been. But I said, what about Paul's letters? You've only got one letter to Titus, one to the Ephesians, one to the Philippians. What if there's mistakes in there? What if there are errors in Romans? How do you know? You don't have another treatise to compare them to. See, secretly, in the darkness of their unregenerate spirit, they want to be able to wordsmith the Bible to say anything they want it to say. I saw a guy today. He was on Twitter, so-called minister. He was saying, some of you Christians need to get your facts straight. Jesus never condemned Sodom and Gomorrah for homosexuality. <laughs> and then he went on, he said, no, it was for them being conceited and um, ungenerous. Yeah, because that's what the Bible says. <laughs> yeah, right. We pretty much know what they were doing. When the angels went into Lot's house, these, these flaming homos were trying to get in there to them. I'd like to just see a slight... Diversion and let one of them out there on them. <laughs> but God didn't do it that way. Well, he blinded them all. Yeah. yeah. And then they still trying to get in. Even though they couldn't see, they, 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 their, their lust for, for men. Yeah. Lots of wife died. Because she. She turned to a pillar. Yeah. You weren't supposed to look back. And that's, that's symbolic too. It happened literally, of course. But when you. Take hold of the plow. When you take hold of salvation, you don't look back and say, well, I think I didn't really want to be saved. Because if you're thinking that, you really weren't saved. You never made a real change. You know, the sermon part where you said a while ago they're trying to take away um, at least the celebration of the birth of the Redeemer out of our society. Um, One thing I noticed, I, I do a lot of walking in my neighborhood dozens of different routes and everything. The decorations that are up are not even one-tenth of one percent representative. No, it's Snowman, it's Santa Claus, and, and, uh, and Grinch. And, yeah. yeah, and reindeers. And, mm-hmm. and these. what's even more ridiculous is these air-blown-up 
that things that are below oh, yes. the yard uh, that have zero to do. I mean, no. you don't even see a, a you don't even see a, a, a nativity scene or the reference to it anywhere in, in my neighborhood. And I'm you know all down through town there. I yeah. walk around dozens of blocks, different routes, and there's just not. That's a fact. I know. I've noticed that. I've noticed it for years, honestly. Would you ask your mom to bring me a soda water? I was talking to Forrest. I need to get me a little heartburn medicine. Soda water. Uh, any podcast listeners that you get heartburn, you can't beat soda water. Teaspoon of baking soda and a glass of water. Better than any over-the-counter. Better than any prescription. Gets rid of it. And it used to be on the box, too. May still be on Arm and Hammer baking soda. Said stir a spoon into a glass. It's called bicarbonate of soda. Yeah, you're the one who told me about that way back years ago. Yeah, it sure does work. So Paul is telling us in Ephesians six to stand. Thank you. And and what what are you standing for? You're standing for the faith. You're standing for what you believe. And you know once they start chipping away at it. They start making you doubt. Then you end up going into a tailspin. Can't want in. Um, you, you uh, if, because if you doubt that, well, I'm an idiot for having Christmas trees. I remember years ago, I let them convince me of that for like one season. And I thought that was pretty much ridiculous. So I started studying it. I said, next year we're going to have a tree because it's, it's, it's stupid you know, to think what they're saying. You know, and um, I probably bought into the idea that Jesus was probably born some other time on December 25th because of the pagan festivals. What most of these people don't know, and this these lies have been repeated through the generation since mid to late 1800s when Alexander Hislop wrote this book he had a real axe to grind with the Catholic Church. And he had some good points against them. But rather than just use the Bible itself and logic, say like Martin Luther did, he decided uh, he was going to uh, make the Catholic Church out to be something even worse than it was. Uh, who knows, it may be that bad, but he invented some of this stuff. He invented, uh, okay, he, yeah, we talk about the Easter, and some of these people say, don't say Easter, that's a pagan word. It's a pagan festival, Easter's pagan. Well, the King James in Acts chapter 12 says Easter. It sure does. Um, sometimes people wonder why it says Easter, because the word is... Uh, Pasca, Passover, and the KJV seems to be the only translation that has it this way. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Okay. Um... This was uh, Peter he had taken into custody. That's what? Peter uh, was taken into captivity there. And um, why is it called Easter there? 
Well, I think it's probably because it's okay. God didn't swat that down. Then I thought about that a lot. And um, Hislop said that this Easter is really Ishtar. And Ishtar was this um, rabbit. Uh, this uh, Ishtar came down and gave a rabbit that laid eggs to the people. Hence the bunny rabbit and Easter eggs and Easter bunny. That's what he said. Turns out he made that up. He completely made it up. I would wonder, maybe there probably wasn't much celebration of that, but he made that up and people just said, that sounds like a good idea. Easter. Ishtar. Esther. Why do we have a book in the Bible called Esther? Because it's the same Persian word. And all it means is a star. It means a star. So if Easter and Ishtar are pagan, then Esther is too. It's the same word. So God lets a book slip through his mighty fingers. Darn it. I meant to call that something else. Look at that. What a mess. No. She was called Esther. Now her real name was Hadassah, you know. But she had that Persian name, Esther. Hislop's book was checked out in later years, really in the last probably 40 years. And he had a bibliography with all these references to the Encyclopedia of Egypt and section here, subnote here. And he was using those bibliography notes to make his work look credible, like he had really done the research. Well, you, you know, at that point in world history, you don't just go lay your hands on the Encyclopedia of Egypt down at your local library. But it exists. And when they compared this stuff, he was saying the sections either did not exist in the first place, he referenced the subsection that wasn't there, and then he, otherwise he would lead you to a particular spot that had nothing whatsoever to do with the point he was trying to make. He was just like these, quote, fact checkers on Facebook. You know, they, you know, they say this is debunked, checked by independent fact checkers, false information. Really nine out of 10 people, especially if they want to believe that that's false information. They won't even click on the link. They'll just say, oh, thank goodness the fact checkers checked that one out. It's false. If you click the link, it gets interesting on some of them. Because they're just like Alexander Hislop's bibliography. They'll have an article that doesn't even address what the thing they were trying to do. That that thing about the... Uh, gasoline-powered van pulling a trailer with a diesel-powered generator on it charging up an electric car to the side of the road. It's just a picture. You know, independent fact-checkers. False information, it said. And I did click on that because I thought, how could this be false? That sure looks like a little Toyota van and I don't think it's diesel. That sure looks like a generator. It probably is. That sure looks like an electric car it's hooked up to. How's this false? I checked on the story. I read a dozen paragraphs 
I was talking to you about this other night, Jerry. A dozen paragraphs telling you why climate control was a big priority. The world is going to melt away due to global warming. And these things need to be done. And those things need to be done. And all that. Just a spiel of global warming propaganda. And the very last line, very last paragraph, wasn't but a couple lines, it said, while the picture does show a gasoline-powered van pulling a diesel generator charging an electric car, that is no reason for us to turn away from green energy. (laughs) Fact-checked. Yeah, so the deceivers are out there. You heard about how all the trouble on Mars right now, how it's heating up. Volcanoes are going off on Mars and all. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. They've got global warming up there now, too. Well, they got a problem, then, don't they? But... The Martians will be dead. Darn. They put those those things out like that so that you'll read their propaganda. That's right. Yeah, they want you to get brainwashed (laughs) with it. You know, and I was... I was noticing on Twitter, it has totally changed from what it was before. It's, um, you have these topics that are trending, and it's just the computer, the main Twitter computer. So, okay, this word keeps popping up, and that one keeps popping up. And these are trending. And the other day, I saw Son of God trending. I saw Romans chapter 1 trending. Today, it was John MacArthur trending. Now, MacArthur's a Calvinist, but he's got a pretty solid foundation other than that. You know, he's premillennial like we are, and and he's dedicated. I'll give him that. He's been preaching 53 years out there in that church. And when he's in California, the belly of the beast, and Newsom out there was going to shut him down, put him in jail. And his response was, well, I'd always thought it'd be nice to have a prison ministry. He was willing to go. Of course, they didn't send him, but, you know, anyway, he was trending. Um, all of these, not only conservative, but honestly, godly topics keep trending. Mm-hmm. They're not all godly. Some of them's like Kanye West. But, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they've got him running interference. China's coming apart over there. They don't want that on the news. So they stick Kanye out there as part of... I've got a video. I actually shared it on my Facebook feed. uh, This Illuminati bunch. If he's a soldier with them, well, he just goes out there and starts throwing blood in the water. He said Hitler was a pretty cool guy. He said... Kanye West said Hitler was was a good guy. When did he do that? Uh, Two or three days ago. Oh, wow. He he said that uh, he wasn't all bad. He had some great ideas. And you wonder what's going on. Well, that all of a sudden dominates the news, and it cuts down on the amount of room that you might otherwise see perhaps what's going on in China or the recently stolen election in Georgia. They stole it twice now. Um, They elect a Republican governor and turn around and vote for a Democrat senator. No. That happened in Nevada, too. They elect a Republican governor and somehow the Democrat senator gets in, like people go in there and split ticket. Nah, almost never do people do that. But they're, they're counting on us being stupid, I guess. So, um, no, Twitter, um, 
has, has certainly changed, and I hope it'll stay that way. I hope Elon Musk has a security force that makes the Secret Service look like a bunch of wayward Boy Scouts. I hope he does, because he sure will need them. And he actually publicly said here three or four days ago, he said, if I get suicided, it's fake. I'm not killing myself, just so you all know. So he really realizes that he, he could be targeted. They lost their house organ. Twitter is massive. You know, all these people, and Trump included, trying to start some alternate social media platform and just get everybody to come over there. It really doesn't work like that. Established social media is like geography. You know, if, you, if you're in a place where you can't bear to live anymore, you don't just go build you another continent off the shore there and set up housekeeping there. No, you have to take what exists. There's just a finite amount of it out there. I mean, this has become very obvious. Parlor tried it. Gab tried it. This place called Getter. They're not working. Trump's Truth Social ain't going to work. You're either going to go to Twitter and establish yourself, drive your stake in the ground there, section off your little bit of territory. You won't have anything. That's that's where we're at right now. That's where it is. So show a presence there. <coughs> um, I've um, no cat. Get out of here. Go. He's wet. That's right. You can't have it. No, you can't have it. No, no, you can't have it. That <laughs> cat was out there scratching, yeah. cleaning his window all that time. If I get in, the first thing he does is wants to go right back out. No, he'll eat every 15 to 20 minutes if you put something out there. But he's, there he goes again. He's going to try it another way. Might need a pepper spritz. You start on that bag again, I'm going to pepper you just a little bit. Well, I really wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. But anyway, um, Jesus called upon us to be salt and light. You don't hide your light under a bushel basket. You don't leave salt on the ground to be trampled. It's, it's no good. It's lost its savor. Go out there and do some good. You will be able to get certain people to listen. I was encouraged recently to see one of our clients who was pretty agnostic starting to take a harder look at the truth in this Bible. And it helps a lot of atheists, especially if they consider themselves intellectual. It helps to show them historically some folks who did believe this word, like Sir Isaac Newton. Go, John. So, um, you know, many, many others. So uh, there's nothing, it's not foolish to believe the Bible. It, um, it's actually the peak of wisdom to follow God and His truth. Anybody have anything they'd like to add? Um, remember the people that we had on the prayer list tonight? All of them. If you forget names, just say I'm praying for that prayer list. All those folks.
especially the ones needing healing, either from physical illness or from addiction. Um, certainly the ones that aren't saved, that God would continue to send witnesses. Uh, I think above all, pray for these people in China. Because some of the video that is getting out, it's kind of inspiring. They're pushing these Chicom government thugs back. They, let's see, they're coming out there and they got their white suits on like there's some kind of a pandemic. They're starting that whole lie again. And um, they want to uh, quarantine everyone. They want to demoralize everyone. It's just now coming to light the, the amount of psychological damage it did to little kids in grade school wearing that stupid mask, which science has now proven did no good whatsoever. In fact, they said it may have done more harm than good. And Fauci himself said that a few years ago. He's on video saying it. He said, well, the mask probably does more harm than good because, you know, you, you, you're expelling germs into it and the germs are right there and then you start messing with it with your hand and next thing you know, you rub your eye. Oh, there, you got it. So um, the folks there, one, uh, one uh, video I saw today uh, and that's actually linked on uh, my uh, Facebook page. It starts out with Kanye West. It very quickly pivots to what's going on in China and how the Illuminati is trying, trying to confuse you and distract you. And it goes into the hierarchy of the, the Masons. And it points out that probably 90 plus percent of the people who are currently in the Masonic Lodge have no idea what it's like to be at the tip of that pyramid. When you get there, you have things that Albert Pike wrote about Lucifer being the, the only light. It's Luciferianism, that's what it is. And uh, they, they give these signals, a hand in the jacket like that, they do like this, you know, we'll cut your throat if you divulge the secrets. They do the all-seeing eye thing, they put a hand over their, their eye, and, you know, just like on the top of that pyramid on the back of our $1 bill. <clears throat> this stuff's been ingrained into our society from the very beginning. But God's had mercy on His. He's had mercy on the church. He really has. But uh, that that bunch of uh, Chicom thugs grabbed this one guy. I don't know if he was taunting them a little bit harder than... The other, you, you don't understand their language, you don't understand what they're saying, but they grabbed him and just started dragging him off into their ranks there. And that crowd chased after him into their ranks and pulled that man back free from them and brought him back. Now that's getting it done. Sure, they'll probably, if they decide to bring out the machine guns or if they decide to gas them and kill them, they'll do it. But you know what? Some of them were chanting, liberty or death. They were chanting Patrick Henry's slogan, give me liberty or give me death. Give me liberty or give me death. In the Chinese language, that that's what they were saying. So they need prayer. They really do. Those folks are brave. It's one thing to, to brave the opposition with a pretty capable firearm in your hand. It's another thing entirely to be using a piece of fence rail, as I saw. And, and anything they can lay their hands on. So, anybody have anything to add? Pleasant comment. <laughs>
That's on our bag steel podcast. Probably just go ahead and keep my guns. Thanks. And what was your other comment? You know, peace just doesn't seem to be working. It's time to give, give violence a chance. <laughs> give violence a chance. Give violence a chance. Seems to be getting there. Okay, let's try it again. Ray, I'm going to have you close us tonight. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can meet and be together as a group to worship you and to honor your word. Bless each and every one of us here. Go with us throughout the rest of the week till we meet again. Have mercy upon all. Bless the people around the world that are crying out for your return. Yes. Bless each and every one, dear God, for we ask you in Jesus' holy, holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you.